little Philip was spending the weekend with his grandmother after a rough week at preschool. <clears throat> so his grandmother decided to take him to the park on Saturday morning. It had been snowing all night and everything was beautiful. His grandmother commented, doesn't, doesn't it look like an artist painted this scenery? Did you know that God painted this just for you? Yep, little Philip said, God did it, and he did it with just his left hand. This confused the grandmother, so she asked him, what makes you say that God did this with his left hand? Well, we learned in Sunday school last week that Jesus sits on God's right hand. I don't like that condescending laugh, Misty. <laughs> Either laugh or don't, whichever. <laughs> Matthew chapter 18. Or do it quieter once. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to begin with verse 1. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. We're going to go through verse 6. <clears throat> At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become a little as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. We find something about how we think and about our adult values here in these scriptures. We see the disciples discussing What's important in the world? You know, they're discussing, you know, they say to him, Who, who's the greatest in the kingdom? You can imagine, you know, them arguing, he likes me better. You know, when we get to heaven, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be sitting on his right hand. You know, you'll have to work left-handed. Um, but you, you could see it because we do it now. You know, you get, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm the favorite. I'm this, I'm that. And they're they're looking here. They're concerned about position. They're concerned about title and rank, which in the world that has great value. These things are very important to them. Our relative worth and value in the world is measured by the positions that we hold, by the titles that we have and the rank or status that we hold. It's sad that some very wonderful, beautiful people are seen as valueless because they have no power. They have no money, no titles or social rank. You know, we look at on TV and, you know, actors or actresses, which in realistic terms, all they have is they can act and they were they were seen. And so but we put value on their words. We put value on what they say more than other people knowledgeable people they say something and we go oh yeah you know um i can't think of his name right now but the tesla guy musk i mean it, it's funny he'll say something he'll tweet something 
and, and the stock market moves by something he says. He, he just one time came out and said, I think it was like Bitcoin or something. He just said the word or he said Dogecoin or something like that. And all of a sudden, the market moved. Everyone bought because he said that one word. Because we think they know something. They have power. They have rank because they're rich. We put value on that. And the people that don't, we don't put value on them. We don't love them or care for them as much. She was talking with the kids about we're to love everyone, not because of their rank, but just because. I remember my mama and papa, uh, I love them. They, they lived in states away, usually. They pastored a church and we pastored somewhere else. But I was, I was close with my papa. I loved him. He was a big Indian guy. Didn't talk very much, but I just... We had a connection somehow. He loved me unconditionally, and I loved him. And uh, I looked up to him. He was a preacher, and not one of these big-time preachers that you see on TV, not with any money or anything. He was a fantastic small-town preacher with a little money. I remember when I was a kid, we'd go to this house, and I'd go running up to him, and, and I loved, you know, he was huge and didn't say much, but if he gave you a smile or said anything to you, you man, you were in. It was good. As, as long as he didn't say anything bad to you, then you were in trouble. And and uh, he liked to fish. Yeah, some of you are going. Yeah, I like. To, I hate to fish. I hated fishing. I, you know, I was I was uh, ADD, ADHD, and sitting still and doing this and being quiet. Nope, not in my not in my DNA. Be quiet back there. Um, you know, just I, I couldn't imagine it, but I did it because I loved being with him. I would go fishing to be with him. And uh, Gunsmoke, anyone remember the TV show Gunsmoke? Yeah, that was an adult show. That was not for you know kids were not wasn't popular with them. But I watched Gunsmoke. With my papa. Sit next to him. It came on after the news. And we would sit there and watch Gunsmoke. I loved Gunsmoke. Now why did I do these things that I didn't like? I did them because I loved him. And I loved being around him. I thought he was the greatest. I, you know, when he would preach, I remember he would, he, old time, old time preachers, there, he had a hanky. And he had, he had, because they're sweating, and he'd just throw it up to catch it. Man, I'd be in awe of him preaching. He was fantastic. I loved it. Did he do anything special? Nope. He wasn't rich. He didn't have any power. He didn't have any title. He didn't have any rank. And in the world's term, he was just a small-town preacher. Nothing. But in my eyes, I looked up to him because he loved me, and I loved him. That's it. He loved me, so I wanted to be with him. Now, there's two truths here in, the, in, in my little story. The first one is, is the world has it all wrong. They have it wrong what's important. What's valuable is not title and rank. It wasn't about the richness or, or the money or the power or anything. The only thing that was important was that we loved each other. He loved me, so I wanted to do for him. I wanted to be there for him and love him. 
The second truth is that we lose our innocence as we grow up. Children's values are based on love, while our adult worldly values are based on self, image, and worldly priorities. How is it that children can get it right while we adults get it wrong? Jesus tells us we must become like little children. We have to be more like them, like a small child who hasn't yet picked up the world's values. We need to be like them. Who still, these kids still are innocent to believe and hope and love without the restrictions and perversions of the world's values. We have to become and remain childlike in our faith and our hope and love if we want to share in the kingdom of heaven. He says, if you're not like them, you're not going to get in. What does that mean? It means we must become like a child. Children are powerless and dependent and innocent. That's the way we have to be with God. We have to be so trusting, so dependent on him like a child is with their parents. You see the babies, I hear them back there. Ah, he's dependent completely, except his mouth. Um, on parents, he can't crawl, he can't walk, he can't feed himself, he can't change himself. He's useless by himself. He can't do anything. He would die if you put him by himself. He's completely dependent on his parents. That's the way we need to be with our father. We need to be so submissive and so dependent on him that we're nothing on our own. Not our worldly ranks. That doesn't matter. What does God think about us? We need to be dependent on him. Children, believe the message of the gospel and accept the love of God with open arms. They don't have problems believing in what they can't see. Their faith give substance and assurance to what they believe. Adults tend to rationalize and look for logic explanations. Sometimes, I, I was talking to some, a couple people um, in the last year. Um, we believe in God, but sometimes we spend, we're so smart that we have to rationalize everything instead of just being dependent. God said it, must be. We try and figure everything out. Okay, well, hang on here. How does this connect? And we spend all the time, Satan keeps us so busy trying to figure God out. Let me tell you, you're never going to figure him out because God's rationale does not make sense in our world. There's no way that anything like God does should be. So the more we spend time trying to rationalize it, the more Satan is keeping us busy and we're not getting God's blessings. Logic reasons to accept what we know of the gospel. We look at a God of substance, a God we can use, but our God doesn't want to be used. All he wants is to be loved. When we rationalize it, we look at it. Okay, well, let's see. If I give 10%... God will give me, Whoa, that's awesome. That's not why we're, that's true. If we, he promised us if we tithe, he'll bless us above anything that we can possibly imagine. But that's not why we're supposed to do it. 
We do it because we love him and he blesses us, so we give to him. Why do we give our time? Why do we give our heart? Why do we give? Yes, if we sell out to him, we get heaven, but we do it because we love him. We don't do it because we don't want to get punished and we don't do it because of this. Think of your children. You want them just to be good kids and just to love you and be obedient, not because they're afraid of getting disciplined, right? That's the way we need to be with God. We need to be children with an open heart. And children, when they're little, do it. It's when they get older and they start realizing, okay, I can play mommy against daddy. <laughs> right? He wants us to come to him the same way I ran to my papa, with open arms and complete love. I never looked at my papa. You know, weird thing. My, my papa had a little gray... I don't remember which side it was on. Little gray right here, and he was black-headed all the way. I swear to you on anything, it wasn't until he died I realized he dyed his hair. I Call me stupid. I don't know. I just, I trusted and loved him, and that, that was my papal. That's the way he looked, and that's the way it was. I don't know. I was, it was, it was, it's weird. That's the way we need to look at God. Stop trying to figure everything out. I wasn't sitting there going, how come he only has one gray hair or a little gray patch right there? I didn't figure it out. I didn't care. I didn't care about his gray spot. I didn't care about his hair. I didn't care about any of that. I just wanted to be with him. I just wanted to love him. That's the way we need to be with God. When my papa told me I could do something, I believed it. No questions. It wasn't till the world, or should I say my brother, <clears throat> if you're watching, um, tainted my faith in people. I wasn't afraid of heights till my brother told me to jump off the roof and he'd catch me. No, he didn't catch me. I learned quick gravity. Okay. I learned ow. <laughs> I learned never to trust my brother. I learned quick. But we don't know that until the world teaches us, until we learn it from the world. We're not created that way. We're not created untrusting people. That's why they say it's best to get a baby to swim because they don't have to. You put them in the water, they, they swim. They, there's no reason to fear. Fear is created by the world. Our experiences destroy us. Our baggage, when we come to God, we're baggage. That's why we have to come to the altar, take our baggage off, leave it at the altar, and then open up vulnerable to God. Because our baggage will change us. It'll destroy us. We see a situation, we go, oh, wait a second, I know that. It's different with God. You can't look at it the same way you do with the world. We have to look at it as a child, untainted, no damage, no baggage, complete trust and dependency on God. I've officiated sports for over 35 years now, and, and yesterday, I don't typically do Saturday games, little kids anymore, but I did a favor for a guy, and I did these little kids. And... In some ways, it's the worst games in the world because they have no idea, you know, you know, basketball, supposed to dribble. No. 
who wants the ball? And they just walk around and, you know, and, but they're so cute and they're so vulnerable. You tell them, go there. And they go, oh, they go there. You know, the little girl went across half court and she looked at me. She goes, what'd I do? And I said, sweetie, you can't go back across. And she goes, oh, you know, that's <laughs> innocence. Just cute and vulnerable. Okay. It's not till they're older that they realize that they argue with everything. I didn't touch him. Dude, he's bleeding. What are you talking about? Like, he gashed his head open. Wasn't me, man. Wasn't me. They learn that over time. They learn that from coaches complaining about everything, from their parents acting like fools in the stands over years. They just want to play ball. They just want to have fun. Why are you yelling at me? You know, when they're little in soccer, I love it. Wherever the ball is, you can tell. Everybody, you know, you're supposed to have positions. Nope, not as little ones. They go where the ball goes. That's all they do. They just want to kick the ball. They want to have fun. Leave me alone, man. It's just a game. It's not competitive till we destroy them that way. You got to win. We need to be like those children. Just come to God innocently, lovingly, without all the baggage, without all the all of everything. I like it. Little kids, when they're playing, I've seen them cheer for each other. Another kid makes a basket and they give them a high five. Good job, yay. Like, that's not your team. Hey, you know, whatever. Then they get older and they want to trip them, hurt them, do something bad to them. They, they just want to have fun. My two best friends, when I was about 10, were black. We came from totally different backgrounds. We had nothing in common except I liked them. They liked me. We had fun. We didn't know that there was any problems or any, you know, that we weren't supposed to be friends or not supposed to whatever. You know, we walked around saying things that we weren't. Nowadays, they crucify you for politically incorrect. We didn't know there was a problem with it. People, you know, were shocked, so we thought it was funny. They called me names. I called them names. Now I'd go to jail for those names. But we didn't know it was wrong because we were innocent. We were just, we liked hanging out with each other. Why is it kids have it right and we have it so wrong? They don't know until we teach them. Look at a little kindergartner or preschooler in school. They don't care what you're wearing. They don't care. You like me? I like you? Okay, let's go play cards. That's all they care about. They don't care. Are you are you wearing the, the Nikes, the new Nikes? No, man, you got holes in your shoes. You're a bum. They don't know that until they get older. We teach them that. We teach them to be horrible people. What if we all had faith like the children? When God spoke to us and told us to do something and, and said we can do something, we just said, all right, and we did it. We've talked about the children of Israel a lot lately. How much better would their lives have been if they had had childlike faith? Go in the promised land, you can get it. And they, all right. Just imagine, their worlds would have changed if they had just had childlike faith. 
What are we missing out on not having that childlike faith? We question everything. God says, go do it. And it takes us years to do it. We completely miss it or we're late to the party, whatever. Because we are so busy going, well, hold up, God. I think if I went this way, I would save a lot of time. And we dissect it and we think it doesn't, we rationale and oh, I don't know about that, God. I'm not really strong enough to do that right now. I don't even, excuse after excuse after excuse. Now, the second point of these verses are that Jesus loves the little children. Children are precious to Christ, and he wants us to tell them about him. He said in the scripture, whoever receives one, of the ch uh, one little child like this in my name receives me, but whoever causes one to sin is better to just die. He wants us to tell them about him. There's a warning there for us. It is fear, it's a, a fearful thing found about le leading a child away from Christ. We have a high responsibility as parents. We have a high responsibility as a church for our community. We're to be agents of encouragement, examples of love, faith, and hope for the children. We need to be bringing them up instead of tearing them down, instead of teaching them the negative like the world does. There's enough of that. The school's going to do it. Parents are going to do it. The world, TV, everything's going to do it. We as a church, we need to bring them up. Show them what God's love is. Show them what faith is. Bring them back to their childhood. But to do that, we have to be living examples of that. In other words, you need to get your act straight before we can teach them. We have to get back to what we're supposed to do. We're charged by Christ to encourage and support and help children in their growth physically and spiritually. We're called to make efforts to help those who are powerless and innocent, to show them the love of God and the wonders of God. We have needs in several areas of ministry with children here in our church. We have needs for nursery workers, children's church, youth leaders, role ranger leaders, now, it doesn't take a perfect person or a person that knows everything about the Bible to be a leader. All it takes is people that love children the way that Jesus loved them. By the way, it says, whoever receives a child like this receives me. You want to get closer to God? We need to love our children and our community. Because if we don't show them God's love, the world's going to get them. I did, as a youth pastor one time, I did um, music. You know, people say, I just like the beat. And I had, I was running about 250 kids at the time. And I played just a snippet of music and they knew all the lyrics. I said, finish this, these words. They sang the song, another song, another song, another song, another song. They knew the words. I showed a snippet of, this is, tells you when this was, by the way. Um, 
um, no, well, Charles Manson back in the day, and he and and uh, they were asking, interviewing the people that were dressed like him. By the way, dressed in, if you are old enough to remember the way he dressed, all weird and everything. And they said, oh, no, his music doesn't have an influence on me. Yeah. Um, insane Clown Posse, right? Is that the one it was? Okay. And they interviewed, and in this interview, they're tell, they say, we have more influence on your children than you do. They spend more time with us than they do with you. And it's true. If we don't teach them God's love, the music is going to. The movies are going to. The TV shows, the video games is going to teach them. And don't think, well, my kids don't want... Yeah, your kids are special. When the bands know that they have more influence on your children than you do, they're not just saying that for their health. It's true. We need to get about God's work at home. It starts there. But we can't just do that. We've got to reach our community. We have to show God's love to everybody. There's kids out there that don't have love at home. They don't have parents that care. They don't have what they need. They don't have anyone teaching them about God's love. So we have to reach our community. We have to reach out outside these four walls. We have a lot of kids that come here. We've got a lot of children. We're blessed. But we can't just reach our children. We have to show the love to more. And that's why we have ministries. That's why we do what we do. But it takes people that love to do the ministries. We do these to support, encourage, and teach the children to demonstrate Christ's love for them and to lead them to him. You know, the suicide rate in kids is increasing every year. It used to be adults. But the suicide rate in kids is going up, especially during COVID, it went up. There's so many kids that don't think that anyone loves them. And don't think that your kid is different. I can give you examples here locally of parents that were shocked that their kids committed suicide. If you would have looked at their home, never would have guessed it. Parents were great parents. Home was great. Active kids. I'll put them in sports. That way they're big. We have to show them God's love. How can we fail to respond to God's calling? Jesus tells us what we're supposed to do in our faith and in our love. Can we turn away from these who need us? I told you before that I was asked to help <clears throat> in a youth group. 
many years ago. When I was 17, my brother was a youth pastor. He was good at teaching, but he just didn't, he wasn't good with people. So he asked me, he said, you go do, you do the, the fun stuff and I'll, I'll do the teaching. And uh, with a little encouragement from my mom, she threatened me, um, I started doing it. And I found out that I was pretty good. God was blessing it, and I actually enjoyed it. But I didn't like kids. I was a teenager, but I didn't like the other bratty kids. But I did it. After I got married, my mom started putting in applications for me around the country. Without my consent, I might add. Because I still didn't like kids. A month after Christina was born, I got hired as a full-time pastor in Toledo, Ohio. I was living in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. And I was convinced again, if you knew my mom, uh, to move and to do this full-time ministry. That was the best experience of my life. That was the best time of my life. I was out of my comfort zone. It wasn't something that I liked. I didn't like kids. I was scared. I'm, first time I was 20 years old, moved across the country, didn't know anybody, didn't know anything, had never done it before, no experience whatsoever. Now, it wasn't all rainbows and unicorns, but when you're in the will of God, serving kids, God blessed it. And I had the time of my life. And God blessed it and rewarded it. Now, I did ministry for 25 years in youth ministry, and God blessed us beyond anything I could imagine. And I know how much I have been rewarded by working with young people. I've seen how a little can mean a lot to a child who's desperately looking for help. Let us come to God in a childlike faith and say, use me, God. Show me your will, not my will, but your will. Have you wandered from that simple, innocent faith that you used to have in Christ? Are you caught up pursuing the values of the world? Are those our priorities instead of what God is? Do you need to find the humility and innocence of a child again? You need to only come to him and ask him to turn your world upside down. Cleanse you from sin. Restore your heart to what his heart is. To see things the way he sees them. He's waiting for us. He's waiting for us to run to him, arms open, and grab him like I used to grab my papa. Just love him. To be dependent on him. What holds us back? We need to come and say, as Psalms says in Psalms 131, verse 1, Lord, my heart is not haughty, my, my eyes, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child from his mother, like a weaned child 
is my soul within me. We need to come to him with childlike faith and say, God, give me your childlike love. Let's bow our heads. If you don't know him this morning, whether you're here or whether you're watching, if you don't know him as your personal savior, he died just for you. He loves you. He still loves you. And he's calling. All you have to do is come to him. Confess our sins. Ask him to forgive us. And ask him to come into our hearts. This morning he's calling. Telling you that he loves you. Are you going to answer that call? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for loving us. Lord, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your only son to die just for us. Lord, we come to you confessing our sins. Lord, we have ugly past. We have mistakes that we've made we've sinned lord i pray that you'll just forgive us of all of that take it all away and lord come into our hearts and fill us up with your love and your blessings and everything that comes with it lord we thank you and praise you in jesus name amen for the rest of us the altars are open Have you been tainted by the world, by the world's views? Maybe you're a Christian and you started off with that childlike faith. You were on fire for God, but the world, life has changed you, brought you down, changed your vision, changed your view of what's important in life. need to get back to that point if you've never been there you need to run to God jump in his arms and just be dependent on him say God give me that childlike faith and show me open up my eye, my eyes my heart so that I can love people as we worship ask God to speak to you. The altars are open. Go ahead.